Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Do you want to see my red carpet? You're not a redhead. Coming to you almost live from the red carpet. This is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. Joining us in the studio today is a young man who's a movie expert, or at least he likes to criticize some films, as do we all. David Barry, who writes for View Weekly and does a little bit on global television in the morning. Yeah, Fridays, right? yeah, Friday mornings. You uh, you give your movie of the week? Uh, no, that that's not movie related. Actually, oh, that's never mind. Uh, music and theater related. He's so. a fraud, everybody. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I'm sorry. That's You're okay. under false pretenses. I know, I know. It's it's yeah. a shame. Yeah, so we're here to talk about the Oscars. Uh-huh. Yes. Can we actually say Oscars? Because there's a little registered trademark symbol next to their name. Do I have to say something else? The Academy Awards? We could. If I, we're if we're technically media, do we get in shit for this? I, I don't know. I feel like we're publicizing. I mean, no one would hear about the Oscars if it wasn't for us <laughs> talking about it. That's true. So, because so, yeah. I have that many listeners. Yeah. I earnestly don't think, working for a media outlet, that I have ever said the word Oscars on the air and been immediately sued. So... <laughs> Well, uh, you'd think that that would happen if, you guys, if it was indeed a problem. Society's pretty litigious now, and I just, uh, I just don't want to get sued by society. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. So we're here to talk about the uh, the Academy Awards. I'm, I just have to be really careful. And uh, and you know, there's a lot of there's not a lot. I, I well, I will say a lot. There is a lot of controversy with this year's Academy Awards. And if there isn't, actually, we'll create some here, I think. Right, yeah, sure. But, I mean, I'm looking at this list. Dave brought me one of these handy little pamphlets. It's got a list of everything. Scott didn't print anything out for me, so I don't know what he was thinking. I'm just kidding. Um, And uh, looking already and seeing Inglorious Bastards on there, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know about that. Yeah? In some spots, I'm just not sold on Inglorious Bastards. I don't remember being that floored by the cinematography. Uh, well, I, it's been, I guess it was divisive. I know, like, when it opened in Cannes, uh, people were pretty negative on it. I, myself, don't really like it that much. I feel like Tarantino has been kind of spinning his wheels for a while. Yeah. Excepting the first the first part of uh, Kill Bill. You didn't but, like the second part? No, I thought the first part was sort of vastly superior. Uh, hmm. to, it was, yeah, sort of everything, everything that, like, that movie really should have been, uh, like, just so stylized and, and hyper-violent. And, and, yeah, I thought that was awesome. And then it got a little too talky. It, which, it did get talky. Yeah. Tarantino sometimes falls into that trap. Yeah. He's a talker. Yeah. But, uh, but these are, it's because, it's um, I mean, opening up the nomination, which is obviously the big, uh, the big thing this year, uh, you're going to get like a lot more films like this in, in, in coming years, right? You're going to, because I mean, Tarantino's like a, a respected kind of art house e director. You yeah. Know? He's a little more thoughtful. It did reasonably well. It didn't bomb or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's easy enough to, to toss it on there. Oh, and here's a spoiler alert, everybody, what I'm about to say. It was also pretty awesome to see someone kill Hitler. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The... Like that, there was something very cathartic about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, if you're going to make a movie that's that's like that, that's stylized, and that has some, you know, interesting dialogues between characters, I, I felt like Brad Pitt was such an underutilized... Like, I would have loved to just... He was so hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would yeah. have loved to see more of him just being that character, because... 
I mean, Pretty Boy or not, I, I think Brad Pitt's a pretty phenomenal actor, and yeah. is one of my favorites for sure. Uh, I think that there was too much going on in the movie, mm. and most of what was going on was nothing. It yeah. was there was a lot of just long drawn out, unnecessary bullshit basically that was going on in the movie and it ruined it for me i and i've i've said this before and i'll say it again inglorious bastards was a long movie i have no problems with long movies but they have to engage me and inglorious bastards was the first long movie i've ever been in where i went and looked at my watch and went this has to be wrapping up sometimes because it's going nowhere so yeah uh, there were a lot of uh i've uh i guess like set pieces almost in inglorious bastards where um yeah, it felt like Sarah to Tarantino just wanted to show you. And I've, honestly, I think this is a problem with, I, again, a lot of like late period Tarantino things where he wants to show you, like tell you about the, his clever idea he had about Superman or, you know, uh, explain. <laughs> this is his only outlet. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like get yeah. a blog, honestly. Yeah, like, you know, uh, his, his, if he was Kevin Smith, he wouldn't have a film idea. But no, uh, I, I mean, having said that, like those are sort of the, uh, you know, I guess this one, the King Kong, uh, the, the German explaining the difference between King Kong and, and slavery. Uh, like, you know, like it, it was an interesting sequence, um, certainly, but at the same time too like it, it it is it doesn't really go anywhere it's just tarantino had a cool idea about king kong and slavery yeah and he's we're gonna get talked at for a while but but i mean on the flip side of that i mean i, I feel like the best part of this movie um was was the beginning uh with the uh interrogator the the, oh. the, the nazi or the the jew hunter i guess uh who uh got a, a best supporting actor nomination that he'll probably take home that actually was a good scene and uh I don't know. It it feels disconnected from the rest of the film in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. But yeah. like that, I remember feeling extreme tension. Yeah. Through that whole scene, it was done so well because it's it was almost like I don't want to say it was a cliche sequence at the beginning, but like the car driving up to uh-huh. the farmhouse and people outside working and realizing long before the car arrives exactly what's about to happen. Yeah. And then you you know you don't realize until the end what's actually going on. And it was just you know th- that's the thing about Inglorious Bastards for me. It was a it was an easy movie to to not like. But it was also an easy movie to find little pearls in. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like that sort of shows what he can do. But I, I would agree with Scott in that it, it didn't really come together all that well. And it just sort of felt like a bunch of cool sequences sort of tacked together. And they, they used the Jew Hunter as a device to, you know, really almost it seemed like they were trying to use him to weave the disparate plot points mm, together. Yeah. But he wasn't developed enough. I didn't really want to follow him around throughout the movie. I, I fucking hated him. I mean... And that was part of the point. But if you're going to use him to try and knit everything together. It's a good thing you hated the Nazi Jew hunter. Yeah, yeah I know everyone else loved him. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone was but just. But, like, there wasn't even yeah. a bit of, uh, like, like you know how sometimes there are those really egregious characters mm-hmm. that you're almost just like, okay, you're you're a piece of shit, but I, I'm, I'm with you on this journey. But he, right away he's like, hi, I'm the Jew hunter. You're just like, yeah. Uh, so I, that, that's funny, actually, because I, I I really felt like he was. I could have watched the, the two hours of him doing his thing. Uh, I'm gonna have to agree with Dave on yeah, this one. Uh, as really? much as it might make us both sound like terrible people, yeah. I was more interested in his character than any of the other characters in the movie. See, I think yeah. I'm, I was true transfixed on uh, on uh, Brad. Not enough Brad Pitt. I mm. guess I really like Brad Pitt. Well, considering the film was called Inglorious Bastards, the bastards aren't actually in the movie for they're, very much of it. They're very much like a subplot. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Kill Bill. You didn't see Bill till the last twenty minutes. Well, but the story revolved around. I know. Yeah, I know. She was, yeah. 
They really should have called it the Jew Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, That's, I just don't think that would have been marketable. That, yeah, that wouldn't have made as much money, I don't think. Uh-huh. Uh, although the interesting thing, I think, too, uh, with Inglorious Bastards is that uh, it's a Miramax film. It's getting a huge push, as a lot of Miramax films do. Yeah. Uh, but it might sneak in because uh, the other thing the Academy did besides expanding uh, the Best Picture thing is they changed how the voting uh, went. It used to be just like a simple majority, so whichever film got the most votes. But this year they're doing a runoff kind of thing. Really? So until uh, a picture gets 50 percent or whatever you know the majority uh they're gonna do knock off the bottom one and then redistribute its votes among the others so people's second and third choice like this is sort of a thing where if people are divided on the first choice but you know sort of everyone you know if inglorious bastards is everyone's second or third favorite there's a pretty good chance that it might sort of sneak up behind uh, do, do you think in your opinion do you think we'll get to maybe predictions a little later yeah, but yeah. do you think inglorious bastards has a chance of being the best picture this year you know, it might be like it, it will get that push. Tarantino's kind of a name. Uh, it's a film about film, which yeah, yeah. is kind of like. And again, like I don't, I don't know that anyone would would, you know, like it, it wouldn't be overwhelming enough to win on any kind of first ballot. But I, I think it's the kind of picture that enough people might pick high enough up on their list that uh, that it, that it could sort of sneak in. I feel like I'm missing something. I, I'm going to give it another watch. Cause actually Rachel, my girlfriend's parents gave it to me for Christmas mm. and I watched it over Christmas, which is, it's pleasant to watch, uh, you know, uh, Nazis during Christmas time. Uh-huh, yeah. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> so I probably wasn't in the best headspace and I, and you know, enough people think that it's a worthwhile movie in certain, in certain yeah. ways that it's, I, I better give it another chance. Yeah. After I see Avatar for the third time, I'll, I'll, I'll right. watch it again. <laughs> uh, of course, you know, not to, not saying, just saying that an Oscar nomination is by no means a guarantee of uh, Well, quality. certainly not. Yeah. And uh, most people would say that being nominated is the most important thing. I, I call, I, you know what? <laughs> I know you're joking, but, uh, now that they've opened up the nominations to 10 films, mm. I think that's less true. Because, like, what were we talking about on the way here? I drove Dave to the studio, everybody, in my rocket sled. <laughs> um, we were talking about District 9, mm-hmm. uh, which I remember watching in the theater, and, like, they they sold me the whole seat, but I only needed the edge. It was That was an extremely tense film. Uh-huh. Um, there were a lot of upsetting moments that you, you weren't sure what was going to happen, and you never really felt comfortable with this like the main character who who thought that he was doing good but was still also terribly racist mm-hmm. you know yeah um it took me a while to sort of come to terms with the fact that the movie was more importantly a social commentary with weapons that made you explode yeah um, and and <laughs> i'm not sure i was balance. saying to dave yeah exactly i was saying to dave i'm not sure if if that's worthy of an oscar nomination but uh, you know this the special effects were phenomenal and done cheaply, mm. and they looked great. Right, yeah. Uh, the story maybe wasn't polished. Maybe it was. Maybe I'm an idiot. I don't know. I'm going to say it wasn't totally polished, but it was still, it evoked all the right feelings and engaged mm. all the right discussions at the end of the film. No. So I think I'm coming around. Yeah, no, like I feel, that I, the, the, I think the one big drawback at District 9 was the sort of, it started off as like a documentary kind of thing, and it really just kind of lost the map as far as that was concerned. That's true. I mean, I don't know how much, I, you know, it's exciting and you care about Vickis and all that, so I don't know how, how big a deal that is. But yeah, structurally it's kind of weird, but I don't know, I I, I, I think it's a, I, I, it's the kind of film I like to see on an Oscar nominee. You know, it's uh, unique. Something, it's, that, yeah. something that took a chance. Yeah, yeah. And is being rewarded for having taken that chance. Yeah. And, and to a certain extent, 
succeeded in taking yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Fully agreed. And, yeah. you know, I, I can get behind anything that, well, like you say, right, uh, about human rights and explosions. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, I, I like uh, a movie. Dave's two favorite things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am. Yeah, but, you know, like as opposed to something like uh, the Transformers, which is, is just about explosions and it's one of, like, Genuinely, one of the dumbest films ever made. Oh, could we? Could we? (laughs) I don't know. You know what? Sad. It's sad, but Transformers is is nominated Uh this year for sound mixing. For sound. Well, you it they do. I mean, it's hard to get all the clanking at the right, especially when you can barely tell what's actually happening. But you you (laughs) try to resolve that with like the movie that you saw as a whole, realizing Uh that it was a colossal pile of shit. Yes. And you're just like they should. They don't deserve to be nominated for anything. I know there are different departments that work on films, but everybody dropped the ball on Transformers. Yeah, that's really... <laughs> Someone, even in the sound department, should have just been like, hey, guys, seriously. Guys, I don't think we're making is, a very good movie This is here. a bad idea. Oh, are dude. we in Autobot heaven? What's going on? I don't know. It uh, kind of went off the rails when the uh, the director had a cocaine overdose on set. I'm joking. That never actually happened. <laughs> Although we were discussing uh, making up celebrity rumors before. Yeah, um, we were. We should. Yeah. But uh, see, yeah, I, I guess just sort of getting back to District 9, like, uh, I, I, that's sort of the kind of film I'm happy to see the, like, especially because, I mean, if, uh, let's see, okay, Up up in the Air, which I guess is a more serious-minded film, is it, but I mean, like, I just thought was a, a pretty boring, staid I'm, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a piece of crap, maybe, but but it just it that and that's the sort of film that normally gets the weird Oscar nominate, like The Reader last year, or uh, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, Crash was a good example, even though it ended up winning. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, the, these are these sort of like not really art house films, but everything's really sober and sedate, and it you know you just you, you go in and you kind of think about stuff, and it's about Nazis or you know, some issue uh, laying people off. And and these are the kinds of films that just, like, rake up Academy Award nominations all the time. Uh, Do you think that that's because, like, Up in the Air explores uh, a very common theme in the United States, particularly right now, mm-hmm. you know, having to fire people, lay them off, right, that yeah. kind of thing. And, and um, sometimes I, I think that the American film industry becomes infatuated with itself and they're, they're telling the American story. Yeah, of course. And part of me thinks, and this is based on nothing but my own, you know, synapses firing. I, I don't have any evidence of what I'm saying, but part of me thinks that sometimes they need to sort of gather around a, a you know, hero story or, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. One of the kind that's off the beaten track. Um, an example of a character, and that would have been Bill Murray's character in Lost in Translation. Like he was the midlife crisis. What the hell am I doing with my life? I'm in Japan. Mm-hmm. This is random. And I, I could see that people falling in love with that because I, I actually liked that film. I thought it was cool. But that character to me was like probably pretty typical of sort of mid class America. Yeah. And people yeah, yeah. It resonated with people a lot. And well, and that's what that's the impression I get from Up in the Air. Yeah, absolutely. It's very much that sort of. Well, and I mean, I think too, like the the actually uh, speaking like George Clooney had that speech. Uh, forget what he was accepting award for, Bory. He congratulated being George Clooney. Yeah, <laughs> the George, you the Clooney George Clooney Award, award. for George Clooney. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but he sort of talked about how you know Hollywood was on on the cutting edge of uh, you know the big issues of the day, and which is I I mean bullshit. Uh, like, come on. Uh, but you know, like they got a big deal when they finally gave a black actor, uh, you know, an Academy Award. Like, oh, and in they just they've had each something. other on the back. Yeah, you know, so. and 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 this, that it is sort of that, like, it, you know, it's one of the ways um, you can get 
Oscar attention. If you release your film in November or December and it's about an issue and it's got preferably a you know previously uh, Oscar nominated actor in it uh, who's made like a cl- an incredible amount of films in the last year. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Like he's just on everybody's radar. He was yeah. like <laughs> like George Clooney's like all right George Clooney he's sitting down with himself and he's just like listen up George Clooney here's what we're going to do this year. We're going to make like three or four movies. One of them has to get us an Oscar because we're George fucking Clooney. <laughs> He probably did it in front of a mirror. Or something. Yeah, yeah, probably. Or, yeah. You know, I like to imagine that's how George Clooney spends every morning. Just in front this, of the mirror, giving this, himself the pep talk. Like uh, the Jack Donaghy psych-up speech in 30 Rock. You magnificent son of a bitch! <laughs> Except it's George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, like, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, it's a movie that I, I've, I've seen bits of because I've been watching a lot of clips on YouTube trying to, mm. because I'm like, before the show, I'm like, I have to watch every movie. Then I look at the nomination list. I'm like, oh, 10 movies. <laughs> I wanted to go out on Tuesday and do something, you know, go go do something that's not watching movies. So I watched clips of a lot of them and read mm. a little, lot about Up in the Air because that seemed to be a big favorite. Let's uh, let's shorten the title a bit. Up. Mm. Got nominated for Best Picture. Any movie that has very little dialogue in the first 10 minutes and makes me cry within the first 15 is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm not afraid to say I bawled watching Up. It was brilliant. When's the last time an animated film got nominated for a Best Picture? Uh, Beauty and the Beast. That's I what I thought. 92 yeah. or so. Yeah. Really? Uh, it's been yeah. that long. Was Beauty and the Beast that good? Uh, at its, in its at, time, at the time, yes. Yeah, 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 I would I argue so. yes. And... Uh, I, 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 I think that was a slow year, too. That might have been the year. But anyway. <laughs> 92 but, uh, was not a good year for film. Uh, no, but I, I, I'm I'm frankly shocked. It's, and I bet, like, if this was a five-nominee thing, I don't think Up would have been in there, which is more indicative of a bias on the Academy's part than anything to do with how good a, an animated film is. But yeah. Just because you don't think they could pick an animated feature to be Best Picture? No, I think they still have a weird, like, I mean, despite the fact that, like, they've been talking for years about how animation isn't a kid's thing anymore. They just, I, I don't know what it is, but, I mean, well, I mean, just look at it. Like, they don't, they just don't sort of take it seriously. Yeah. And it's like, it's got its own little category, um, which, you know, I guess for them was good enough, uh, in a way. Here's, here's the other thing which is tying into what you just said they have their own little category of all the movies up for best animated feature only one of them ended up getting nominated for best picture yeah Uh so do uh what princess and the frog and i don't even know what other movies on there really have a chance (laughs) of winning and and honestly like i mean if you're if you believe maybe that strongly in up You'd almost think like don't don't nominate it for the animated feature then, but you can't do that because no, there's a cat- yeah. It's obviously if you're going to nominate it best picture, it must be one of the best animated. I mean, features. It, it should be nominated. Yeah, it, it depends on how it. But but I, this was actually a really great year for um, animation. I uh, uh, like uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. I, I mean, I'd probably I'd say that also deserves a best picture nomination. Okay, Clooney, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> you're going to be a fox. You can do it, you magnificent son of a bitch! <laughs> uh, but yeah, Ed Corlean... Uh, oh, I love that was, movie. Was a, ...was a fantastic one, too. Um, uh, did you see that in 3D at all? I did. Yeah. It was great yeah. in 3D. It was, yeah. Uh, it was great, period. Yeah. I also yeah. saw it in 3D. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, I, and, and so, I mean, that might just be maybe, uh, like, up sneaking in there. I, I don't think, honestly, it has a chance in hell. Yeah. The best picture, I sadly, I mean, I... Again, it was is gorgeous, and yeah, like you say, like within the first fifteen minutes, just like a Touching, complete absolutely. gut punch. Yeah, and uh, and we t- we've talked about this on previous shows, or maybe we've just talked about it when we haven't been recording. Yes, that's right. We don't record our whole lives, but Scott and I have mentioned the reason the Pixar movies, I think, are 
a cut above in a lot of ways and, and are so good is not just because the animation is incredible, which mm-hmm. it is, but the writing is first rate. Like they're they're not it's not like they sit down and say, Okay, let's write a cartoon. They're like, Okay, let's write a movie. Let's right, write a yeah. movie that's really engaging and has wonderful characters and whimsical moments, and we'll leverage this technology we've developed to make it. Because well, what the hell yeah. and that there was headlines actually uh, when Up came out, because uh, I think it was Disney or someone was angry at Pixar for Up because mm-hmm. they it wasn't filled with marketable characters. There was no Mike Wazowski and uh, and you know, uh, Buzz Lightyear that they could turn into plush toys and action figures and sell. You had your curmudgeonly old yeah, man yeah. and the plump little boy <laughs> scout and the dog with the collar and that was it and the bird. And they were like, there's not really any marketable characters there. And they were like, you know what? You... We're not making a movie to sell toys. Yeah. We're making a movie to tell an engaging story. That was a that was a very respectable stance yeah, for the studio yeah. to take. Agreed. Uh, although absolutely, I mean, it sort of gives you a, a interesting indication into Hollywood that like someone to stand up and say no we want to make a movie because it's a good story yeah. is like a revolutionary stance but um, well actually that's interesting too just as kind of an aside Disney uh, didn't really announce but they've uh, recently decided to basically stop making kind of middle range uh, uh, pictures without getting into it too much they're, they're going to either make the big blockbusters that they can market and you know get the collectible cups and all that stuff or those sort of like uh, 20 to 30 million dollar, you know, no really big name stars, maybe some younger ones up and coming. Uh, and then they basically sort of taken out the, I don't know, maybe you could call them Sandra Bullock uh, <laughs> middle of the, like, you know, like with whether they have the one big name star and that kind of thing, just because, yeah, uh, yeah that for them now, it's they either want to make a ton of money off it or not really have to put too much into it. And uh, yeah, so I, that's kind of, sh- that's kind of shitty, it sounds like. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, let's, let's try and, they're looking at it as a, as each movie is its own business. Yeah. Let's, we create this thing that has ancillary stuff that we make a whole pile of cash off of. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really cynical way to go about it. Yeah. What happened to the art, man? <laughs> Disney, ha- and uh, this is with all due respect to Disney, all hail Dark Lord, but uh, for them it, it hasn't been about the art for a very long time. Mm-hmm. It's been about making money. Well, I mean, yeah, you don't build a theme park for the art of it. <laughs> right, it's the art is yeah. secondary. Yeah, and mm. and and but that, there that's... is, and, and I'm not saying that that's a blanket position. There are certainly, I'll guarantee, people in the Disney company who are there to make art. And and I shouldn't mock the uh, the theme parks because there are some nice touches. Right. That they, right. I mean, I th- I think there's an art form to that too, and I'm sure the people who create those experiences and design characters and stuff like that feel like they're making art, and they probably are. But yes, that's right, 30s uh, of yeah. listeners. Listen to us backpedal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want I mean, uh, to be like, a... I mean, I mean, you know, Picasso was a genius and all that stuff, and so are the people who make animatronics. Right. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, I guess it's just something to keep in mind, you know, moving forward, that this this is very much a business, uh, and, and that's how people treat it on that side of thing. Uh, and actually, the next big... Uh, in this article I was reading that was discussing this, the biggest property in Disney now, the one that all the directors want to get uh, attached to, is uh, Jungle Cruise. Yeah, that's the that's the new one. That the the ride in Adventureland, I think it is. What? If you've ever, they want yeah. to make a movie. After yeah, they're going to they make, make another yeah. Haunted Mansion. Yeah, with the Jungle Cruise or Pirates of the Caribbean. As and, it yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, but they that's, could make that's a the decent Jungle one. Adventure movie out of that. I think. Yeah. 
And then they could add an animatronic figure, <laughs> Bill Paxton or whoever stars in it. I think they should make a, an experience called The Road where you're wandering through these misty, <laughs> blighted future with a child and being beset upon by cannibals. I really think that that would be an experience that middle America can really get by. So I was going to go with Space Mountain. But well, anyway. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you're such a traditionalist. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh so there are a few obviously movies that are that are up this year that I that I haven't seen because frankly I can't mm-hmm. I can't go out to all of them. Uh, did you guys see Julia and Julia at all? I, I did. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I should be ashamed to admit. That. No, yeah, I don't know no, if yeah. you should either because uh, okay, what was Meryl Streep in the? Was it The Devil Wears Prada? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I thought she was f- awesome in that, like <laughs> wicked. Yeah. And if, you know, if she's, she's a great character actor, I think. Yeah, and yeah. if she's able to step into a role where she's, you know, awesome in a movie, then I think that's cool. Yeah. So was it a good film? Yeah. Uh, well, no, it wasn't <laughs> okay. really a good film, yeah, unfortunately. Meryl Streep. Well, I, I guess, because there's, the, the, there's two halves to that one. There's, there's the Julia Child part, and then there's the Julie, uh, her last name escapes me, but who, blogging and, and that kind of, and those parts... Amy Adams, who is, uh, or no, Amy Adams, I think it's Amy Adams, sorry. Uh, oh, whatever. have notes or something. Anyway, but uh, she's a fantastic actress, but that those parts were just terrible. Oh. Uh, the parts with Meryl Streep and uh, uh, Stanley Tucci, I think, plays her husband, were, were phenomenal. And actually, like, if that was the only movie, of, uh, you know, like, it, it would have been a, a really great movie. So uh, if it had just I, been about Julia person. You're not the first person I've heard say that. Yeah, too, yeah. That it's just, it's not a great movie, but Meryl Streep is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. is and worth that, and that, the price of admission alone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, like, and she does a great, I mean, well, I don't know. Uh, the, the, the one problem I often have with these sort of, uh, this isn't a biopic exactly, but uh, actors tend to get a, I think, more praise than is sometimes due just for doing like a good impression almost like yeah i i've heard that criticism before and i, I think that m- many if not most are guilty of it i would mm-hmm. say yeah uh but this one like i notwithstanding she's doing a good impression it's it's like she, she just does a great job of it yeah. period um yeah and so you know uh if you're gonna see a movie about cooking this is, this is the <laughs> one i guess yeah i think i'll just watch iron chef uh-huh. Um, I would watch an Iron Chef movie. I'll go on record saying that. I would watch Iron Chef the movie. I would watch the hell out of that movie. I would, wa- I would watch the origin of, of the chairman, like how he comes to take a bite out of that pepper at the beginning. And it would and, have to be the Japanese actor who played chairman. And I'm pretty confident uh, when I say that that would be a truly epic tale. The only thing I know about the dude who played uh, the chairman, it played. The, what was he called? Was he actually called the chairman of I, Kitchen Stadium? Well, anyways, so, yeah. that dude, I remember reading this fact because I was, I was Wikipediaing him for some reason because I, w- I used to really love the Japanese Iron Chef. And uh, they were like, yes, he was the first Japanese man to play Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then they were like, yes, Jesus Christ Superstar in Japan. And I was like, okay, so you're going to stage Jesus Christ Superstar. Where are you going to find actors if you're doing it in Japan? <laughs> hmm, maybe in Japan. <laughs> and uh, guess what, everybody? Yeah. You know who lives in Japan? Japanese people. So, yeah, okay, the chairman of Kitchen Stadium was the first Japanese man to play Jesus Christ. I, that would, in Jesus Christ Superstar, which would be impressive right. on Broadway. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sort of, well, whatever. I mean, you've never played Jesus. So. That's, well, I feel was, like I'm chairman every day. Chairman Kaga. Kaga, that was and he used to always, I love the way the Japanese speak because they use certain phrases at the beginning of their statements, particularly, I don't know if it's the way that, that they 
they tell stories or something like that. But every every time Chairman Kaga was talking about how he came to Kitchen Stadium with this week's challenger, he'd always start every story with, if memory serves me right. <laughs> of course, in Japanese. Uh, anyways, <laughs> what the hell but, yeah. were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about Julie and Julia, I think. <laughs> and then uh, we but... started talking about Iron Chef. I love the show. <laughs> uh, so, oh, I was going to ask you guys, in terms of, because I believe that Man on the Moon, when Jim when Jim Carrey played yeah. uh, Andy uh, Kaufman, Kaufman yeah. sorry, um, that he was nominated in that film, was he not? Uh, yeah, he did get a nomination. Yeah, but he didn't end up winning. Do you yeah. think that that was a good, good acting job by him, or a good impression? Mm. Oh, I think that was a a, a a good acting job. I mean, and I mean, like, not there is a you know a, a skill in in getting a an impression of somebody and especially sort of like getting uh, the the right, I suppose, kind of impression, you know, like making yeah. him into a believable. Uh, and so like, I don't, it's just that uh, I, I think that gets noticed a lot more than say a, you know, creating a character's just sort of whole cloth, which is, I mean, like, despite the fact we see it all the time is astoundingly hard to do. The Academy uh, likes to pat people on the back for Telling someone's life story, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 and and I mean, plus you know, it's sort of you, you get the dual like, rec- it, it's like you're also recognizing you know Truman Capote or whoever. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the person is. Yeah, um, it's just it's one of those like perfect tricks. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, this they they're good performances. It's not against. I they just think they get a little more play than they kind of deserve. Because yeah. I, I mean, that's yeah. just it's the tugging at your heartstrings. It's yeah, recognizable. Yeah character with a built-in sort of uh, star power to it already. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I just sort of think, like, if anyone should know how hard it is, like, the Academy should, you know, realize that creating an entire character is, is kind of a tricky thing to do, whereas just, you know, putting on a, a voice and, and getting the right hairpiece is, huh. yeah, a That's bit That's why we have but... costume design. <laughs> Wait, where's costume design? Oh, there it is. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> costume design is in there. Yeah. Um, oh, with the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. That was which a, had fantastic costumes. Was that a Terry mm. Gilliam film? It was. So the man actually managed to release a film. I feel like he has the worst f***ing luck. Well, Heath Ledger did die uh, during the filming of this one. No, so. actually, I, I And so did the uh, executive producer. Uh-huh. And uh, Terry Gilliam was, I believe, struck by a car also. And but, his and he was he was seriously concerned that fate was just trying to take out everyone major involved with the uh, with but the movie. But he managed the, to. This cheat is fate. not the first time this has happened to him. No, no it's no. true. He's he's got like a f-ing black cloud over him. Yeah. When it comes to this stuff, and I feel so bad because I think he's pretty brilliant in a lot of ways. Like I mean, I'd know with more certainty if he was if he actually had a chance to release a film. But like, <laughs> he was gonna do. I, I watched a documentary. I don't remember what it was called, but he was gonna do the Don Quixote film. Uh, it's called Lost in Lament. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and. They just, it, if it was if it wasn't weather, it was someone was someone died or something, yeah. or you know, it was just everything went wrong that could possibly go wrong. It, like he's he wrote Murphy's Law basically. Mm-hmm. Like, was uh, was he largely responsible for Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Uh, yeah, he was one of the directors on that. Because one. as I understand it, that was the worst experience of all of their lives. Why so is that? I apparently love that movie. it was apparently it was just it was the worst experience it was miserable mm. everybody hated one another after that movie like it was just it was the for all of all of the pythons who are still alive will go on record saying it was just the worst experience and they are would th- never do it again do you think that that gilliam tends to bite off is he too ambitious there's probably some 
part. I mean, like, part of it's just dumb luck, but I think that is sort of... Uh, Imaginary with Dr. Parnassus reminded me a lot of uh, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, which I don't remember recommend anyone seeing uh and I, I love terry julian i should say like brazil uh, is one of my favorite movies ever and and uh but uh like it, it just he sort of and especially now for some reason uh he, he just like lets his imagination run wild like there's there's just no no switch off or maybe this is a bad idea or um you know maybe i should reel this in a bit like it's just he, he sort of drives bullishly towards whatever he's come up with, um, which can lead to a lot of good things, but it also, like, at, at, like a well, film. Half like, the time, it fails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, uh, he, and he's actually uh, re, he's trying to do uh, Don Quixote again. Which I was going to bring up. Yeah. Yes. I think that would be awesome. If I you think Johnny Depp has uh, well, he was yeah. up for it. Yeah. He was in Lost in La Mancha, John, Johnny yeah, Depp, yeah. I think, in he's, a few scenes. I think they he's showed going to be the Pancho Villa. And the concept yeah. for it wasn't, like, just a rote you know, videographic interpretation of Don Quixote. It was, no, it was a little more whimsical and enchanted than that. I think like there's some, some time dude, travel or something. Yeah, like some that. dude winds up being becoming Poncho, and he yeah. doesn't know what the hell, where, what the hell's going on. And uh-huh. it was an interesting concept, and I wish that it had seen the light of day. But I guess we have the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, yeah. which I have not seen. It was, it was quite good. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't really enjoy it as much. Yeah, I think it, it wasn't. Again. It wasn't like phenomenal, but it was entertaining. Mm. It was exactly what it needed to be, and it was mm. very colorful and That's very cool. beautiful yeah. to watch. And actually, uh, Tom Waits as the devil was a pretty inspired and uh, casting choice. I'm kind of surprised that he didn't get a nomination for that because it was, it was a truly amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I uh, actually speaking of supporting actors, I cannot believe uh, that Matt Damon got one for Invictus and uh, really uh, or Morgan Freeman for that matter. Come on. He's the voice of the visa commercials on the Olympics (laughs) and he's doing Canada proud. Yeah. uh, But that like uh, that movie was really, really tired and kind of I mean, it's not bad. Clint Eastwood's a good director. They're good actors. But uh, this, like what we were talking about before, the impression thing, like this is really, really what these performances are. And I mean, like Morgan Freeman in this film is basically Morgan Freeman playing Morgan Freeman as Nelson Mandela. Like, you, you just never lose sight of the fact that Morgan Freeman is the one up on... And, like, as perfect as Morgan Freeman is for the role of Nelson Mandela, that you could not imagine another person being that. Like, uh, he's just not really doing anything in it. And no, I, yeah, I, um, I really didn't like Invictus. It was... And, and I just... I think this is that sort of that symptom of, like... Yeah, let's give it to the guy playing Nelson Mandela because it's just so obvious. It's right there. Fortunately, I don't think he'll win. That doesn't seem to be the way things are going. But uh, we yeah. will. Uh, we'll get more into that. Into right. into like some some serious Oscar uh, predictions. And I'm just gonna BS my way through it. Cause... <laughs> but we're gonna do it in a moment because we need to take a short break. Have you considered sponsoring or advertising on a local podcast? Well, this is your opportunity. The Unknown Studio is looking for advertisers. If you're interested, contact Adam at theunknownstudio.ca or Scott at theunknownstudio.ca, and this space could be filled with your ad. Now, back to the show. And we're back. And now that we're back, we should probably mention 
our sponsor this month, the, the Edmonton, Edmonton Journal. Journal. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, we tricked the Edmonton Journal into giving us a sack with a dollar sign on it in exchange for which they'll pat us on the heads and say, oh, you good boys, make your podcast, take advantage of this association while you can because the well will run dry soon and Shaw's going to buy them and then Shaw will buy us and we'll retire wealthy as millionaires. But if, uh, if you don't believe that story, you should at least read edmontonjournal.com on your mobile device because uh, they've got us pitching this little uh, application you can get for your BlackBerry. Scott, have you downloaded it yet? Not yet, well, but I hey, intend to. That's fine. That's great. I intend to... I uh, can download it right now. I intend to do my laundry tonight. In fact, as far as anyone is concerned, I am downloading it right now. Look at that, everyone. Scott <laughs> has picked up his phone and is sending me a text message. Yes, anyways, we love the Edmonton Journal, and uh, we appreciate their sacks with dollar signs on them. And uh, they're good, and they create a fine product. And so they told us that everyone listening should go to the Edmonton Journal's building on 101st Street, just south of Jasper Ave, and ask for their own sack with a dollar sign on it. Go do that right now. All right, so uh, <laughs> before we left on our short break there, we were, Dave was, I literally cut him off. Like, his <laughs> mouth was still open when I stopped him. Uh <laughs> Because he was getting getting into Oscar predictions, and mm. I think that that deserves its own segment of the podcast. So here we go. We're going to get into some serious Oscar predictions. Now, obviously, we're not going to do uh, sound editing, sound mixing. The, <laughs> the the lesser, the Quebecs and the Hawaiis of the Oscar nominations. <laughs> um, but uh, but we will get into some deep things. I do want to say one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little choked that Star Trek wasn't nominated in a bigger category. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't think I, that J.J. Abrams is necessarily an Oscar-winning director, but he electrified a series that was crawling to its slow death, mm. particularly on the silver screen. And, and uh, you know, whenever a Star Trek movie comes out, whether it's good or shitty— winds up being in the makeup and special effects category. Right, yeah. I was surprised to see that it got nominated for, um, was it, a Producers Guild Award. Mm, right. Actually, yeah. they, yeah. they nominated it for Best Picture, which is astonishing. I was, I was amazed, especially considering whoever the producers generally nominate, the Academy generally mm. nominates too. So I was actually anticipating that maybe <laughs> Star Trek might get a Best Picture. I, Everyone I didn't expect Academy. it to win, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, neither did I. But I thought it would have been pretty astonishing for but, it to get but that But it kind turns of out the Academy, they're all Star Wars fans. They do not believe in that universe. The socialist utopia in space does not exist. Only the Empire. So uh, I, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, no, I actually think it's probably just they gave one to District 9 and like, okay, that's our like We'll, and give, Avatar. we'll give one to yeah, the sci-fi movie yeah, too. Hey, yeah. hey guys, we'll give one to the prunes and uh, <laughs> it'll be good. So, uh, uh, predictions. Uh, do you want to do it in the Academy order where they usually go with supporting, supporting... Best, best. My best, list best. starts with uh, performance by an actor in a leading role, but I'm not reading the same <laughs> sheet you guys are. So, well, well no, you actually are. Uh, so, well, let's start with supporting. I okay, let's go get, with the get, supporting get actors. Kind so, of out of the way. Yeah, sure. We got Matt Damon in Invictus, Woody Harrelson in The Messenger, Christopher Plummer in The Last Station, Stanley Tucci in The Lovely Bones, and Christopher Waltz in Inglorious Bastards. Boys, I believe that my pick, and I'm I'm going to have to stick with the picks that I made. On, on the, the website, website yes, uh, was for Woody Harrelson in The Messenger. Mm. Uh, I feel a bit disadvantaged because I haven't seen The Messenger or The Last Station yet. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I actually think probably Christopher Waltz uh, will take this one. I really the Jew but, killer, the Jew killer. Yeah, <laughs> they, that goes over so well in Hollywood. It's just amazing. <laughs> hey, guess who won best best actor? Everybody, <laughs> the Jew killer. Everyone's just like, <laughs> uh, well, we're just kidding. He's yeah. actually just an actor. No, he's uh, uh, wonderful. I don't know. It's just sort of it's a nice. Uh, he's 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 a foreign uh, actor, obviously, uh, which is kind of nice for the Academy to give to and and I think like. Pretty much, as we said before, the best part of *Inglorious Bastards*. Sure. Yeah. Now, do you guys think there's a lot of there are a lot of politics, Dave, in uh, in picking nominees and even even best whoever wins the category? You mentioned that this is a foreign actor, and it's kind of nice for the Academy to do mm. this for him. Um, do, how big of how big of a factor do you think that weighs on the Academy? Uh, well, I, like it's hard to. It's all politics. Essentially. No, like, uh, but, but no, I, I, it just it is those that thing that like the academy likes to make itself look uh, good, in especially in a category where like, if we're talking best actor, well, that's another sort of that's a big deal. But yeah. like, it's it, it's like to how, generally speaking, some of the most interesting films get like screenplay nominations, because it's sort of their way of being like, well, you know, we have people to please with the best picture thing, but. You did a good job. So here's the screenplay one, which is a bit so like, especially in a supporting actor thing, uh, a supporting actress like those, those choices, they can just be a little bit more like pat on the well, backy as opposed to you even know, with like, some of the smaller categories. Yeah. Because yeah. they're just like uh, Transformers, you fucking blow, but <laughs> transforming robots. So yeah, sound mixing. There you go. <laughs> Congratulations, Transformers. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of technical stuff that and, and with all due respect to people who work doing all the all the technical aspects of the movies sound your sound yeah, yeah. your costume your makeup your visual effects all due respect to those people who work very hard and are very good at what they do and they're do. artists let's not forget it's true yeah but those really are kind of like pat on the head oscars yeah 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 well they're well, kind of oh no go ahead oh go i ahead. was going to say that they're like a uh, uh, category like Avatar, because if they say it got nominated for like three Academy Awards, that's not very impressive. But if they say eleven Academy, like that's, that's true. really and so not like not that. And uh, so when it wins three Academy, yeah, Awards, yeah, yeah. It can but be... like, I mean, what's the general public interested in? They're interested in leading actors. They're uh-huh. interested in best film. For for the the industry, these are probably. I mean, that, I mean, I win an Oscar for makeup. Yeah, that's yeah. going on my resume. Like, of course, yeah. And I'll haul it around in a backpack display case <laughs> for the rest of my life. And you're absolutely right. Like that is those. Arguably, from a from an industry standpoint, those technical Oscars are probably more important mm-hmm. and probably have more weight behind the scenes than the fact that. But they have Damon to please the, uh, the yeah. tired and weary masses. Although it's, it's it's worth sort of pointing out that a lot of those tend to go to. Uh, I mean, like you see Avatar a bunch, District Nine, like the the Hurt Locker for sound mixing, uh, which isn't to say that they, that that it isn't done very well in these films just that like uh I, most of the people who are voting on these things because actors make up the biggest and they don't really know what sound mixing does either like they barely can figure out what cinematography do yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and, and supposed to read this yeah no, uh, memorize it <laughs> but yeah and uh like so it just they just get attached to again these films that are already on the like i don't pay enough attention to sound mixing to tell you definitively what the best one, but, but like you never see a, the, the film that, you know, was entirely unheard of uh, in every other way. Getting, yeah. And it, yeah, it, it's always, it's, it's just kind of usually related to whatever else is going on. I have, I have another point actually that I just thought of right now. If you went back and looked at it, I bet you would see the same names cropping up again and again and again for winning those awards. Mm. And you mean like in terms of the individuals winning? Them? Yes. And 
you don't really note that maybe the guy who who wins say best sound editing this year has won like 12 Oscars in his life, <laughs> which is astonishing. Like, the, holy shit, you've won 12 Oscars. But it's not as big a deal because he's not Sandra Bullock, mm. you know? And yeah. the fact that she has one Oscar is, oh, that's a big deal. Sandra Bullock has an Oscar. That's she doesn't on the yet. Yeah, let's, yeah. Uh, Good job, Sandra. Let's just say that. But, uh, but like, it's the fact that that guy, I bet you, well, I'll bet you anything that that is the case, that there are... A slew of people who work in the behind-the-scenes aspects of the movies who have just a shelf at home full but, of Oscars. They're not even. They don't even mean anything to them anymore. They sure. have got so many. But they're they're these are people like especially in these smaller categories. And we'll get back to our, our predictions in a yeah. moment because this is pretty interesting. But um, there are people who rise up through these categories who do get noticed by the public. So you've got mm. guys like like uh, the the dudes at ILM I'm sure have, mm, have yeah. done like there's probably an individual whose name we'd recognize one offhand that I can think of who does uh, special effects and costumes and makeup is Stan Winston like mm. every everybody knows who Stan Winston is the guy's probably won a uh, uh, boatload of Academy Awards for the work that he's done in film and so sometimes you I think for jobs like this you have to sort of amass that collection first because mm. if you're an actor you're making a big splash anyway you're yeah. right there on screen Everyone, yeah. but when you're one of these people in the background you have to almost maybe look at their whole their career as a whole and be like oh that's the dude like mm. oh Stan Winston's the guy who did like Terminator or whatever yeah, I think yeah, he did yeah. Terminator maybe I think so. yeah, anyways yeah, yeah. you know he probably did but uh, but I think that you kind of take the long view with those with actors there right out in front right yeah you get it and yeah Fair enough. So anyway. moving on to uh, our predictions, further to predictions. Best actress in a supporting role. That's correct. Mm. We have Penelope Cruz in nine. I might I might butcher some of these names, so I apologize. Vera Farmiga in Up in the Air. Maggie Gyllenhaal in Crazy Heart. Anna Kendrick in Up in the Air. And Monique in Precious, which is the well, the whole title is Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. <laughs> there were a lot of just nouns there. Yeah. Just yeah. Precious, Push, Sapphire. My uh, <laughs> my website prediction went to uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal for Crazy Heart. I mm. haven't, uh, you know, I'm totally out. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I actually have to say that this, like, I just think this is atrocious. Um, in terms, well, like, I don't know. Like, I, I like Vera Farmiga and Anna Kendrick. I don't understand. Penelope, like, Nine was terrible. Penelope Cruz was all right in it, I guess. But, like, uh, I don't know. This is I, somewhat indicative of, like, the lack of good roles for actresses uh i think but anyway wow, uh, it was a bad year for the ladies apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well no there, there were some people that 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 deserved it that this is just a i i don't understand their choices here anyway um i i actually think uh monique will get it uh for precious which was a a, a weird kind of film like sort of half exploitation half like genuine exploration of poor uh black people's lives but monique Considering like her resume up to this point has chiefly been like sassy fat girl, uh, she <laughs> she does an incredible role, uh, a job of like a, a, this welfare queen kind of uh, woman who's just terrible. Huh. Uh, I, and yeah, she was she was really uh, really remarkable in it. So I I think she'll probably get it. Cool. Well, yeah. it's, here's hoping. Uh -huh. All right, shall we uh, move up to uh, best actor? Yes. And in and among is the man himself, George Clooney, mm -hmm. who sat in front of a mirror and said to himself, George Clooney, you're going to play an HR manager and you're going to have to fire people and you can do this, you magnificent son of a bitch. <laughs> so uh, in act, best actor in a leading role, 
We have, of course, George Clooney and Up in the Air, Jeff Bridges in Crazy Heart, who I will always love for his role in The Big Lebowski. I just mm-hmm. can't get away from that one. Colin Firth in A Single Man, Morgan Freeman in Invictus, and Jeremy Renner in The Hurt Locker. Now, The Hurt Locker is about Iraq, right? Yeah, it's it's about a bomb squad. Um, An American, American unit. Yeah, uh, whose, whose job it is to, I guess, defuse the IEDs and things like that. Interesting. I really, I haven't seen it yet. It's supposed to be excellent. It is. It is actually. Uh, is this going to steal excellent. the Oscars this year, Dave? I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'd be incredibly shocked if Jeremy Runner won uh, in this category. But I mean, I think it, it might, because it got that sort of push. Catherine uh, uh, Bigelow is used to date James Cameron, and oh, oh, yeah, Who? James Cameron. Yeah, uh, oh, really? yeah, yeah. That it's sort of like it's like you know the old couple uh, against each other now. But it might, and I mean, like it's it's a really incredible film if you haven't seen it. It's really interesting. Uh, maybe we'll talk about this more. Beck's best picture, but it's it's like a um, it's almost a, sort of a bunch of set pieces in in a, like not that it isn't a contiguous story, just that like it's basically a film told entirely almost in episodes. Really exciting, uh, revealing, tense episodes. Oh. Uh, Anyway, cool. I, it's I like really 24 would. if it was a movie. Almost. I've yeah. never watched 24 before. <laughs> uh, I believe uh, that on the website, Jeff Bridges was, was, the, was the pick for Crazy Heart. Scott's pick. He won the SAG Award, actually, mm. and you, for that role. You don't think it's going to be Jeremy Renner? No, I don't. So think who do you think it's going to be? I think it'll probably be Jeff Bridges, too. Just Yeah, he's won all the... Uh, all the awards up to the, I think he's got the Golden Globe too. The I SAG. believe so. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of, and it's he's honestly pretty good uh, in this one too. Very sort of, and a deserving actor no less. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, I think I really like about him in this one too is he's, he's like he's not an intense in this in any way. He really doesn't feel like he's acting. Normally, the Academy really likes to give it to people who are like acting. You know, like that's <laughs> look like, at me. Yeah, I'm acting so this hard right is now. Sparta. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, and it, like this is totally the opposite of that. So yeah, uh, I'd really like to see him win. Sweet, that's two for Jeff Bridges. All right, uh, up to actress in a leading role. Okay, so we have Miss Sandra Bullock who uh, hugs a football player in The Blind Side. <laughs> Helen Mirren in The Last Station. Carrie Mulligan in An Education. Gabri Sidibe. May- uh, I think I think that's a Sidibe. Yeah, Sidibe uh, in In Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. And Meryl Streep in Julie and Julia. Now, having never seen any of these films, I'm going with Meryl <laughs> Streep, guys, because I love Streep. Smell like Streep. And, and let's be fair, Helen Mirren is pretty astonishingly great. Is she? Uh, but I think uh, that we went with Sandra Bullock on this one, again, because she won the SAG Award. Yeah. It's and usually... I think she also won the Golden Globe there as well. Yeah, uh, that's usually a pretty good indication. I actually think probably Sandra Bullock will take it too. And I have to say, like... That's just so disappointing. This, like, because <laughs> uh, The Blind Side was based on a book by Michael Lewis, the guy who did Moneyball and stuff like that. And, the, like, uh, the, I haven't read the book, but I've read the New Yorker article. That it, and it's an incredibly fascinating uh, story, uh, both about, like, sort of the evolution of this football position and what they basically pulled, the, like, have made this guy do because he's just, the weird kind of genetic freak who can play this football position really well and they basically like it's sort of implied they kind of cheated his way through but but also like did take him from an illiterate uh but it's just like flattened into this like heartwarming and sandra bullock is just like brassy southern and i just hated this film a lot (laughs) and i really am sad that it's going to get an oscar in any category at all i i've heard uh 
more people than not say they really liked it. Mm. I think it resonates with the <sighs> the mouth breathing public. No offense, 30s readers. Those of you who breathe through your mouths should get something to clear out your nostrils. We're looking for a sponsor. Send me a sack of money. Uh, moving out of acting then, let's do best animated feature. Mm. Do we even really have to discuss that? I picked up. I... I don't. I think based on the conversation we had earlier, I don't think Up's going to win Best Picture. No, so not. No. I think they absolutely deserve animated feature. Well, no. it's not even as as I said before, it's nominated in both categories. But of all the animated f- features up for Best Animated Picture of the Year, it's the only one that's up for Best Picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That means that it's automatically a cut above everybody else, according to the Academy. Yeah, you it's pretty, pretty much, much a shoe in. I like how we're justifying our choices. Like, <laughs> it's not so, even. It's not if even. If you do the math, see, if you if you apply a number to each film and add it and multiply it by three, then you understand the, the Da Vinci Code. There Although, you go. Yeah, exactly. I would. I would just say actually that I think this is the first year uh, in a while that Pixar has had some kind of competition, like legitimate competition. Uh, in that normally, like Pixar's just uh, heads, cut above everybody yeah, else. But, uh, but I mean, I'd be happy if Fantastic Mr. Fox or Coraline, the, which or are two. both excellent. Yeah. and. I didn't see it, but Princess and the Frog apparently was yeah. was entertaining and now, enjoyable. It did what it was supposed to do. That was a Disney film, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. an old school Disney film. They made a big deal out of the fact that they were doing. But like, they they animation. modernized it. Yeah, they totally. Yeah, that's right. Of course, but it was it wasn't like computer animated. It was it was hand drawn animation. <laughs> a good old school with the whip at their back. <laughs> draw, <laughs> draw ink. You ink harder. <laughs> Next up, Scotty. Um. There's, there's a lot of categories, but there's a lot yeah. of categories that you kind of implied we just want to skip over. So I'm wondering where we should Well, I mean, I, I I wouldn't mind talking about, uh, you know, directing. Let's talk about directing, cinematography, screenplay, and best picture. How about okay. that? Sure. Okay. Uh, we should Actually, we should touch I, on best music, too. Okay. Oh, I wouldn't mind talking about documentary, but I can just... Hey, you know what? Let's let, no, 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 no. Let's <laughs> talk about what you guys want to talk about. I, oh, I, I was oh, just oh, thinking oh, out loud. Well, let's... Uh, let's Moving down the list, the next one that... that you wanted to talk about would be cinematography. Right, right. Because I, I'm surprised to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince on here. That is a little surprising, actually. It was, it was almost like they're like, we, we have four. And they're like, well, <laughs> you need five. Okay, that uh, J.K. Rowling's worth something, right? Yeah, so let's, <laughs> let's try and appease her so she'll send us money. I don't know. Um, that, that seemed really weird to me. I think I went with Avatar on cinematography. I, could, I can see Avatar getting that. It was visually and, and in terms of camera work pretty effing phenomenal yeah i I don't think you can uh disagree with the the you know actual looking at the film uh having to sort it out is another matter but yeah no uh sure avatar (laughs) i'd I'd go with avatar why not okay uh moving on to achievement in directing then uh this is a i think i i i think uh, uh catherine bigelow should get it for the heart locker just I because agree. as as i said that like the way the film is structured is so uh is so interesting and she um, was certainly my pick so. yeah there you go um yeah i i don't know if she actually will win uh who do you think will win do you think do you think it'll be up in the air it might be. I Jason Reitman has recently got this like reputation as like the new sort of golden or like the new great American director kind of that I see. That's what really I'm talking about understand. with stories like that. Yeah, uh, uh, genuinely don't. But I, I mean, it was he was fine. I, I, nothing special. But hmm. yeah, I, I'd like Catherine Bigelow to get it. I think. Let's talk about. Uh, you wanted to talk about documentaries. Yeah. Well, this is a 
It was the only one a, of these I've seen is Food Inc., which is uh, which is a great documentary. Yeah, and this was a, a fabulous year for documentary to the point where I think they left off some of the best ones of the year. Uh, Tyson, which was incredible. Um, if you uh, get a chance, go see it. It's basically just an interview with Mike Tyson for an hour and a half, but is incredibly uh, revealing. And wow. uh, yeah, and uh, another one, uh, Anvil, the story of Anvil, which was um, also just fantastic it, it, it's about this uh, rock band from toronto actually who have been like plugging away for years they had a they toured japan in the early 80s and that was sort of their big moment and then they, they're still at it the guy works at like uh, delivering food to schools but they still go and play metal on the weekends and uh, huh. it's actually the the movie has has gotten them sort of they've started touring again and like they're putting out another album sort of like so it's like almost like a real life spinal tap in a way yeah strange yeah it it got that uh yeah and there are moments in there too but those two are incredible uh but even some like the cove uh was amazing uh it's the story of this uh japanese uh whaling and and dolphin specifically uh industry oh yes i've heard a lot about this actually they, they like literally like sneak in and do this like James Bond style taping of the uh but yeah uh Burma VJ was also good Food Inc was really good too. You know what uh, I really liked about Food Inc was um the fact that it was an astonishing revelation of well I mean I I shouldn't say astonishing they talked about a lot of this stuff in Fast Food Nation mm. but they really you know they they updated a bit of their facts they talked to some of the people and they didn't leave you feeling like a bag of ass at the end like there was yeah. still hope in that like it was obvious that they were like going out to try and you know show what's happening in the food industry and and some of the ways the wool's being pulled over our eyes so to speak but they could have easily have just been like yeah we're effed like we are so screwed everybody but they were like no wait a minute there's there's some hope here well that's what i like it also didn't have that kind of hectoring like michael moorish quality where it's just like okay either you agree with us or you're an idiot yeah like it's sort of uh yeah but i think i picked food inc in fact i know i did because the screen is up in front of me i picked food inc so (laughs) Yeah. What was your pick for that one, Dave? Sorry. Uh, I, I'd actually really like to see The Cove, but I, I think Food Inc. will probably get it, too. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, do we want to touch on documentary short? Uh, I haven't seen any of them, so let's we'll just, just skip, skip yeah. over it. <laughs> They're all good, probably. Did you want to... Sorry, did you want to talk about editing? No. Uh, I don't have a whole ton to let's say Let's move on to uh, Achievement in Music Written for Motion Pictures. Oh, I'm looking at my... Uh... Uh, is this also called original song? Yeah, this is original score. Oh, okay. Do we have? Oh, there oh, we go. Do we even have that? Oh, yes, we do. Um, well, I, you know what? I'm I'm choked that Star Trek's not on here. Actually, I, I thought the score for the Star Trek film was I agree. Phenomenal. It was it was a really good score. I picked Sherlock Holmes. Surprisingly, huh. Hans Zimmer. Uh, Sherlock Holmes was, it was, it was a cool. Movie. It was a comfort food movie. It was exactly mm. what it needed to be, and it was good at it. It wasn't revolutionary or groundbreaking, but one thing that did stand out. And it was something that I mentioned after the movie. It was something that Anita mentioned after the movie. It was something uh, that the spin doctor, uh, oh, yes. Daryl Hook, who was at the, the theater with us just by chance, we touched base afterward, that he mentioned the music was fantastic. It was mm. amazingly good. Mm. And that's why I just went, no, you know what? I'm just going to pick it. I don't even need to look at the other nominees. It was, <laughs> it was, it stood out. It was the best part of that movie was the music. My concern mm. is that I like the music from Up too. I thought it was just yeah. it. It suited the film so perfectly, uh, and it, it it was like it blended with the style that they were going for. So in that in that way, the score for Up fit in really well. I I think I'm concerned <laughs> that the unusual tribal nature of the avatar score will mm. win hearts and minds right yeah well it, it, it really sticks out in a way that uh, it does yeah it's uh, it's different yeah. 
But the whole film's different. I suppose. Well, except for the plot, which has been repeated over and over again <laughs> in every film that anyone cares to mention. Oh, you liked Avatar? Haven't you seen Dances with Wolves or Last of the Mohicans? Pocahontas. Guess what, everybody? Star Trek Insurrection, which was admittedly a crappy film, touched on exactly the same subject. So, ugh, I'm just sick of hearing these criticisms of Avatar. It was a beautiful film. It wasn't a perfect film. It set out to do some very ambitious things and did some of them very successfully, so stop shitting on it, please. <laughs> Alrighty. How about we... Wait, we haven't picked one yet, have we? I pick... Well, I, they, I keep interrupting Dave because oh, I'm just like, I know what, stuff. What would be Dave's pick then? Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd actually probably go for the Fantastic Mr. Fox on this one. I really oh, like we, we are three ways divided yeah, yeah, on yeah. this one. Yeah, and I'm the only one who hasn't seen like three of these five movies, so <laughs> I'm going to defer to one or one of you guys. Uh, best original song. Uh, I assume that the the one from Crazy Heart will get it. It's it's not a bad song as far as it goes, but it's just it's it's so sort of tied into the character and, and all that kind of stuff. Plus, I I think that uh, it, it it'd be the one that most people have seen out of most of these. I'm gonna go with um, with what I perceive to be a trend in 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 the Academy Awards. Uh, it's got to be a Disney movie. I think it's mm. got two noms up there. It's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be one of those songs. I, I went with that as well and said "Down in New Orleans" is gonna win it. Yeah, I don't know which one, but uh, I feel like, I feel like otherwise Disney's gonna be left out of the, uh, out of the playground this year. <laughs> and, uh, and I think the Academy doesn't want to upset the sleeping giant that is. <laughs> no, they yeah. don't want to have to revive Walt and give him his sword so that he can go beheading members of the Academy. Because that's what he used to do, everybody. That's not a lie. That's I'm not making that up. Why would I make that up? We'll skip over uh, Best Picture and save that one for last. Okay. okay. So uh, what else did we want to... Well, I, I would like to talk about uh, visual effects. Because, okay. okay. I mean, these are, these are three movies that had uh, phenomenal visual effects, I think. Mm. Um, Avatar, obviously, was one giant visual effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was stunning. Yeah, I don't think anyone can go to that. If anyone, okay, here's another big f you to everyone who hates Avatar. If you went to that movie and were like, eh, I guess it's cool, you have no f-ing clue what you're talking about. A 3D movie on this scale that fits so seamlessly together with whatever real shots they made, this has never been accomplished so uh-huh. thoroughly. Yeah, and you've got your head up your ass if you can't recognize that. So you you have to get as much as everyone's like, oh, James Cameron, bleh, this plot is the same. The special effects aren't that good. No, you have to give this man props for basically opening up a new branch of of modern American film for people, like in a mainstream mm, way. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, he's done it. For the record, I picked Avatar. <laughs> uh, with all due respect to District Nine and Star Trek, because of that exact reason. Like, there's say what you will about any other aspect of the film. There is no disputing that Avatar pushed and then mm. exceeded the boundaries Absolutely. of visual effects and absolutely deserves to win. Because Transformers had Transformers, but it didn't have mechs. And <laughs> well, dudes and, and big robots. And blue aliens. I mean, I think, blue aliens. yeah, it's like James Cameron literally created another world, uh, a, a fairly inventive world at that, uh, and and we kind of managed to solve the Uncanny Valley problem. I mean, they're blue aliens, so it's not quite as hard, but uh, <laughs> they look like real blue aliens as opposed to computer ones, which is yeah. a real change. Even, even having, like, this Sigourney Weaver avatar, mm. I was just like, holy shit, she would totally look like that if she was a navi it's just like well done james cameron yeah all right screenplays start with adapted screenplay uh 
Does, okay, I have to say that uh, I really, really want In the Loop to win this one. Yeah, I don't uh, know enough about this category. Okay, uh, I feel like, uh, I think as I said before, a lot of the times screenplay just sort of feels like the chance to give, uh, you know, okay, I'm we can't actually. Uh, in the Loop is based on a TV show called The Thick of It uh, by Armando Inucci, who did some work with Satch Baron Cohen uh, before and Steve Coogan uh, and created this TV show. And it is probably like the best satire in the last 30 some years and on top of that uses swearing in one of the most creative like there are so many astounding uses of the word in this movie uh and and like that's the least of it Uh, it like it it's hilarious it's really really sharp uh, uh trenchant without being like bludgeoning you over the head i really it's like one of the best movies of the year for sure. I'd really love to see it get because it is too. Mm. It's really like crisply, interestingly written. Like almost basically every line is some kind of cutting, funny remark. It uh, it's incredible, and I I will feel really disappointed if it doesn't win. Uh, again, just because it's so much ahead of the other ones. Not that there aren't some good scripts on here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so it, when they when they talk about adapted screenplay, are they referring to what they used to create the film or what it was? based it's uh, adapted from but yeah, another story yeah okay yeah, i just like answered that. my own question yeah, yeah, yeah. oh god uh-huh. i could really use a pep talk from george clooney right now uh also up was district nine an education precious based on the novel pushed by sapphire and up in the air i picked up in the air because i think that's the only oscar it's gonna win mm. really yep hmm. huh. I, I, they, they have to give it something <laughs> so do you think that the script writer sat down for a george clooney pep talk and it was just like, okay, we're going to make up in the air. Mm. I'm yeah. not going to say. <laughs> All right, best original screenplay. Again, I, you know, I've seen two of these films. Um, I feel as though, um, I, because I, it's, it seems like, I'm going off feeling here, everybody, but it seems like The Hurt Locker has made a pretty big splash, and mm. it's, uh, it's about contemporary America as it fights a war on, on uh, foreign soil. Uh, and I, I feel like that, if it doesn't win best picture, it will absolutely win original screenplay. Mm, yeah, consolation prize. Yeah, here's yeah the second most beautiful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I think you're probably uh, right too. And of course, the noteworthy thing here is that Avatar did not get a screenplay nomination because it's already been God. written like three times, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got terrible dialogue. That's no, uh, true. It's, yeah. uh, it, there were some moments there. Where the, the speeches were being given before the Navi and stuff like that, I was just like, oh. did no one read this out loud before they started speaking it? Like, mm. just, there's just some embarrassment shivers there. <laughs> well, it's just it's James Cameron, right? You yeah. can't say no to him. His best line yeah. is still from Aliens when, well, basically anything that uh, the sergeant says, you know, assholes and elbows and all that good stuff. Mm. It's just uh, he's good at writing fighting dialogue. That's it. Fair enough. And maybe he's uh, he's starting to suffer from the same uh, problem that George Lucas does, where he sucks. Where no, it's <laughs> not it's not necessarily that. It's just a matter of uh, he's he's at a point in his career where there's no one who's ballsy enough to say mm. dial it back or no. Yeah. Uh, and so they get away with doing whatever. But unfortunately, without that person there to check them, they suck. Uh huh. Yeah. That you you need people around who can tell you when you're making a big mistake. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're. I'm saying the Hurt Locker. Dave. I'm saying the Hurt Locker. Uh, I I think probably yeah the Hurt Locker too. Um, yeah, because it probably won't win Best Picture, so they'll give it. Yeah, as you say, the runner-up award. Yeah, yeah. Which brings us 
to the best picture category. The big prize, and because we've been inconsistent in our reading of the nominees, I, I definitely think it's worthy of reading these ones out loud. Sure. So, nominated for best picture in 2010, Avatar by James Cameron, The Blind Side by someone I don't know, District 9, and Education, The Hurt Locker, Inglorious Bastards, Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. I, I wonder if they're going to say that throughout the Because you know how they always yeah. make a big deal out of saying the whole title? I wonder if they'll do that. I guess we'll have to watch. Uh, a Serious Man, Up, and Up in the Air. So, so, maybe let's talk about what's not going to win best. Well, let's, let's, let's get rid of... Let's start then with District 9. District, District 9 will not win a Best Picture Oscar. No. I'm sorry, District 9. You're not going to win it. I think the fact that District 9 has been nominated so much is going to, um, it's going to help the the writer, well, did the guy who wrote it, wrote yeah, it direct yeah, it? Yeah. I think it's really going to help, you know, him catapult the, his yeah. career. And I'd like to see him do more, um, you know, f- uh, fiction that is reflective of the culture he grew up in. Because mm. the, the backstory, the, the, you know, the relationship to the South Africa story, apartheid and all that stuff, was, it made for a really fascinating film. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's unfortunate that it won't win best pic- won't win best picture, but it will do. I mean, it's here. It's 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 at the Academy Awards. Good, good, for good him. on him. Yeah. You know? um, there's a nice uh, some of the on the the film blogs. Uh, I've been talking about how they're they're calling these pictures uh, dark nights as opposed to dark horses after the Dark Knight, which most people believe is the reason they opened up this category. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, because the uh, the Dark Knight made boatloads of cash in theaters. Yeah. It got what like a nomination at the oscars for like costuming or something. Mm, something i don't know like yeah. it was it got some ridiculous like throwaway nomination and people were outraged they were like it was a fantastic movie it had great plot it had a great story and you didn't give it anything and they're yeah. like but it was a comic book movie so of course it didn't get nominated and so the general belief was that they said okay we will open up the nominations to 10 movies hmm. so that we can give movies that would not normally get nominated an opportunity to shine movies that are say comedies or science fiction movies that would normally not even be considered yeah okay so but if we're talking about science fiction movies then uh i i think avatar has a has a chance uh yeah but see avatar is a science fiction movie that has made two billion dollars um yeah that money talks in a way that you know if cameron uh, goes up there if he wins and goes up there and says something like i'm the king of the world i will Find him and harm him. <laughs> I think he'll Okay, say, well, I obviously that, that means that the consideration is that Avatar is in the running. So let's, yeah. Well, let's, yeah, let's okay. whittle it down to a five because they opened up the, the category to okay. ten. Let's, exactly. let's get it down to So five. we've already taken out District 9. Up, sorry up, you're not going to win Best Picture. Mm. You'll win Best Animated Picture. You're not going to win Best Picture. Okay. Uh, so uh, a serious man probably wouldn't have got a nomination uh in a in a regular year it, it's a great film coen brothers film but uh, i think it only just, got one other oscar nomination yeah too. it's just it's just a bit too weird uh two two coen brothers yeah well it just did that it really like dry and it doesn't sort of have the like funny accents of fargo to give people a, <laughs> a kind of insight into it a great film but wouldn't have gotten nominated any other year uh what about uh, let's talk about the two films i don't really know about the blind side and an education have either of you guys seen these? I've seen both of them. As okay. a matter I have not seen an education. Uh, I, I guess I've already said the Blind Side is terrible. I right. really didn't like it. I feel like it wouldn't have 
in a regular year probably wouldn't have got a nomination. Uh, it probably almost got a nomination because Sandra Bullock got a nomination, yeah. and because it's a feel-good story. Well, and it, it did pretty well at the box office too. So because it's is, a feel-good yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I agree. I don't think The Blind Side will is is really a contender. All right. So what we have left is Avatar and Education, The Hurt Locker, Inglorious Bastards, Precious, based on the novel Push by exactly. Sapphire, and Up in the Air. So. Mm. Uh, an education, I don't think, has much of a shot. It's a fine film, uh, but it's something like the reader. Like it's this one that is middle of the roady kind of art housey, good performances, blah but blah, not blah, awesome. blah blah. Yeah, but not really. Uh, and and uh, you know the kind of film that would have been keeping something like District Nine out of the nominations in previous years. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think it genuinely has a chance. So we're left with five, and uh, <clears throat> if, in the unlikely event that this is an upset Oscars, a mm. sleeper hit pulls out in front and you're surprised by by who wins, who mm. do you think that would be? I'd probably say that would be Inglorious Bastards. Uh, I, I, I mean, again, like it, it, that, that to me would be the darkest horse of the five we've got remaining, because it, it's a Tarantino film. There are people that does have its supporters, um, but it's maybe like it, it doesn't feel like it's quite maybe serious minded enough for Academy. You know, it's like because they do kill Hitler. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Revisionist but, history. But, you know, it does have like it is about film, that kind of thing. Uh, Tarantino, again, has has respect around town. I, I could see it sort of being like, again, enough people sort of third, second or third choice to uh to get up there to to make an upset yeah as it were yeah what do you think about upsets scotty uh honestly i think the biggest upset from my perspective and you're gonna hate me for saying this would be avatar yeah i don't think it honestly has a shot at winning and if it does i will be shocked really want to know why Why? because you said it exactly because it is a science fiction movie Mm. it made two billion dollars at the box office but you know what the dark knight made a billion dollars and it did not even get nominated mm. money talks but it only talks so far mm. and there are other movies the that i think the academy would feel better giving the best picture not oscar mm. to and i don't think it's going to be avatar so if avatar wins that would be for me the dark horse because i i think i think it's in the running but i don't think it's going to win i th- i think uh i think you're right i would be actually surprised if avatar won i expect the winner will be either Okay. The Hurt Locker or Up in the Air. The Hurt Lo- they're both they're both American films, okay? Mm. The Hurt Locker is about the, you know, something happening in Iraq and and that's something that is resonant with the American psyche in a but, huge way. But here's the thing is that until really The Hurt Locker, uh Iraq war movies were doing crap at the box office. Mm. No one wanted to go see them. And this is the first time that a movie has come out. Maybe it's just the way that it's presented or the way that the characters are in it, but it's the first time that an Iraq war movie came out that just kind of got accepted by the general and public that's, that's and got enjoyed by the general <clears throat> public. And that's part of the reason that I think it, it could win. Well, the, the other thing is it kind of lacks a political message in, in any... I mean, not, like, notwithstanding the sort of war as hell kind of thing, but it's not. Uh, most of uh, the Iraq war movies that came out legitimately were uh, anti-war films in some way or another, and this is more just sort of an exploration of what it's like to be in war yeah. uh, without beating you over the head with any kind of message about that having said that i in a regular uh, year when when it was just uh you know most votes wins i i would have given the hurt locker a fair chance but it's still i think 
I, I don't think it'll be enough people's like second or third choice because it's the runoff. We have yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I you just, think that it's going to split the vote with someone? Yeah, and and it just like I don't uh, like I the, it might have enough sort of first round votes, but I just sort of don't. It, it, it's just sort of not that type of film. Uh, I think that and and yeah, like I think again, everyone's second choice. It's it's like the Ed Stelmack sort of theory right like uh <laughs> i'm glad you made it more hyper local by uh-huh, yeah. thank you Dave. <laughs> but uh but yeah and i just i don't know that it it will be uh enough you know people will sort of go fair enough yeah, yeah. for for another one um which is unfortunate because it is a great film but up in the air again, contemporary American film about yeah. something that's very current. And there was Oscar was. buzz about it, and when and, uh, when it first came out, and it had the benefit of having George Clooney, the pep talker, on the show, <laughs> and and this is the twelfth film he's made this year. So, I will I I picked the Hurt Locker. I think it's I legitimately think it has the best shot of winning, and I think it's going to be seen as an upset, but I don't even think it is. I think that it is going to be the movie that's going to win the Oscar this year. And I think that it's going to leave James Cameron feeling really, like, sad on the inside that he only won... I think I gave Avatar three, like, technical mm. awards and was like, yep, that's it. That's all they're getting. And I mm. think that'll make some people surprised and upset. But I I will not be surprised and upset. I don't think that it was the best movie of the year, personally. Mm. But uh, I, I certainly agree with you uh, on that one. Uh, yeah, I... I... I hate to say, but I I think Avatar is gonna win. I don't want it to win. I think it's, notwithstanding its technical achievements, is legitimately a bad film. Uh, really? I, I'd go so far as I, I mean, it's just it, the it it, it plays out in, in such a terrible uh, you know, kind of hackneyed way. It, it just it 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 nails like it just beats you over the head with this environmental message that's kind of naive. Uh, it, unobtainium like, <laughs> unobtainium I think yeah should sum all that up but I, I just that was I, like a placeholder word in their script what yeah. we call it it's, unobtainium this, this we'll think of a name like hard to obtain <laughs> yeah. so uh, yeah but I, I, I just think uh, you know Cameron's a big enough name it made enough money and it's pretty enough that I think people will go for it. Yeah, I think you're right. Fair enough. Yeah. So that's it, you guys. That's what's happening at the Oscars this year, as predicted <laughs> by three guys in some jerkwater burg in uh, Western Canada. I'm just kidding. I love Edmonton. Uh, on that note, because we have been going on way longer than we normally that's do. Well, cool. I like to give mm. Scott a little extra work. Uh, yeah, it's the shows. Uh. I think it's time. For the Fast 15. We described the Fast 15 to David Barry before the show, and he looks like he's ready for it. Now, I was uh, rather lax in my duties today, off doing other things, so I didn't come up with wildcard questions until we were sitting here doing the show. So you might have to give me a second to word them. But in any event, here we go. Fast 15 with David Barry. David, number one, what is your favorite food? Oh, uh, shit, I should know this. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, tofu clubhouse from Cafe Mosaics. Oh wow, old mm-hmm. school! Mm-hmm. Your favorite color? Uh, green. Uh, Mac, PC, or Linux? Uh, Mac. I can't wait till we have a guest who says Linux because then I'll just be like, "Can you explain what that is?" To Has it happened yet? Still no. even use Linux? Anymore? Only like developers, I think. Uh. They're just anyways. Uh, your first, uh, or sorry, dogs or cats? Dogs. Your first vehicle? Uh, it was a. Ford Escort wagon. Nice. It was a '94. Your favorite holiday? Uh, Thanksgiving. Your favorite sport? Uh, 
I'd normally, I'd, I'll, I'm going to go with tennis on yeah. that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, your favorite pastime? Favorite pastime? Watching movies. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> favorite music right now? Favorite music right now? Uh, Beach House. Uh, I'm really loving that album. Cool. Uh, your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Uh, you'd think it'd be an easier question for me. Um, There's so many. Yeah. If I was going to be a elitist prick, I'd say uh, Killer of Sheep. No one's probably seen that one. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> writing it down. My favorite, my favorite movie that people have likely seen. I'd probably go with uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Ah, that's a good movie. Uh, a movie that you hate, but everyone else seems to love. Oh, uh, is it, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like opinions changed a bit, but I hated Napoleon Dynamite when it came out. Everyone really? loved that one. Mm. Uh, yeah, so uh, Garden State also. But again, I think more people hate that one now. Anyway. After It doesn't stand up to second viewing, Garden mm. State. And it's, it's, it tricks you with a good soundtrack. Mm, yeah, I think uh, one movie that you get made fun of for liking. One movie that I get made fun of for liking. Uh, I really, really like uh, like childhood cartoons. I um, oh no, although actually, I, I guess it depends on what kind of people are. But I I I really like the the original Transformers movie, the animated one with uh, Unicron. I'm not gonna argue with you on that one. <laughs> you know, I will go on record saying that it's a terrible movie. It is awful, but it is such a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Mm. Like, there is so much to love about that movie, but it is a terrible movie. It is, ab- <laughs> like, the plot makes no sense. Mm. The acting is, like, the people clearly, a lot of them didn't even want to be there. I don't even really understand how they under- how they wound up on the junk planet in that film. Yeah. Mm. No, it's, uh, it's, it's such a terrible movie. Like, the structure, the plot, the, uh, it's terrible. But... but uh, I will watch it again and again. I, I can recite most of the dialogue. That's I, awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and your your proudest moment? My proudest moment? Oh, God. Uh, I don't, don't have too many of those. Uh, <laughs> Not last night. Yeah, ooh, uh, uh, my proudest moment was uh, when I got my job at VU, I guess. That's Sweet. probably be my, yeah. Because you were an editor there for a while. I was, yes. That's right. Yeah, so. Now we're on to our two wild card questions. What would you rather win, an Oscar or a Grammy? Uh, I guess an Oscar because they do mean something. Grammys <laughs> are just like. <laughs> that was basically a baited question because I just wanted you to make fun of the Grammys. Yeah. Fair enough. If you could sit down with some world leader that you think is messing up and give him or her a talking to right now, who would it be? Like you have carte blanche. They're going to sit down and listen to you. Um, who do you want to talk to? Uh, I'd say, I'd, I'd say Stephen Harper just because, uh, you know, he, you know, he's Canada. I'd, I'd have more, see most of the effect there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd go with Harper. Uh, I think I'd, I'd want to sit down with, uh, is it Chavez that's in Venezuela? Mm. He's yeah. a lunatic. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a little crazy. I'd just be like, what are you thinking, dude? <laughs> like, there's no way you're this paranoid. Like, how is this even possible? I, you know, back in the. 60s and 70s, the CIA would have just gone down there and shot him in the head and installed a puppet proto-fascist, <laughs> you know, like puppet government, and don't can't guys, do that anymore. Don't you can't guys miss do it the anymore. Good old days. I mean, really, yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, Dave, for exploring the depths of the Fast 15 with us. What Excellent. is coming up next time? Our next show will feature 
a seminal Edmontonian, the digital prodigal son, Mackenzie Mail, who most people know as Master Mac, will be on the Unknown Studio to talk about his experiences living up north and his experiences being the internet. All right. That's, that sounds like it'll be an amazing show. I think it will. Thank you once again, Dave, for being on the show today. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks, We'll Dave. definitely talk to you about movies again, because we talked for like 90 minutes. So. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, man. It was oh, awesome. Happy to You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 18. Our guest, Dave Barry, our topic, the 82nd Academy Awards, Reproduction by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. And the Oscar goes to...